you crazy bitches. Before we get started with part one of a special two-part week episode. I don't know if they even make sense, but whatever. Fuck it. Of White Heat. Hey, uh, you know, I've been mentioning for weeks on end about how I need to go Mohawk Honda. I'm going to remind you right now because traded season never really stops, but it's been a main focus the last number of weeks because of the fact of, you know, the dealerships and all the car companies are just about starting to bounce back from COVID, especially since this is the time where they need to start pumping out those 2022s in the market, which means not only do you already have established used car inventory in the car market, but now they're going to add any 2021s that they don't have sold yet. They're going to add those at cheaper prices as the 2022s come on their lots. So now is a chance for you to really take advantage of car prices across the area. But what's the problem? There's a lot of dealerships that all they got are new vehicles. They don't have a whole lot of used inventory. Oh, well, glad they take your used car and spin that around for whatever fair price they'll give you, according to Kelly Blue Book. But they may not necessarily have anything you want when you turn around and have that cash in hand to go spend for another vehicle. That's why I got to go to Mohawk Honda because they have the largest certified used vehicle inventory, not just here, but anywhere in the capital region. They're on Freeman's Bridge Road in Scotia. So whether you're up in Plattsburgh, down towards the city, or if you're out near the Syracuse, Utica, Rochester area, you're going to want to come to the capital region, Scotia. It's literally just a matter of 20 minutes outside of Albany. It's a stone throw away from Rivers Casino. So, hey, come on down. Buy a used car. And while you're at it, play a little blackjack. Play a little slots at Rivers Casino in Schenectady. Because, hey, why not? It's perfect. It's a perfect animal. They have the best lot. They'll take care of your values, your lifestyle, whether you're carting around pets, carting around kids, carting around in-laws, whatever it may be. Mohawk Honda will take care of you, make sure the vehicle fits your needs and your lifestyle. So, again, go to them, Freeman's Bridge Road in Scotia, Mohawk Honda. Well, they always go out of their way to please you. And with that said, let me try to redo that intro a little bit. Welcome to the first part of a special two-part episode week of White Heat. That came off a little better, I think. I thought I rolled off the tongue better than the way I did it about two minutes ago. Uh, yeah. I uh, plan on playing the sluts. Yes, yes. I'm going to smack the screen for good luck. I better not talk about that too much because that's what some of my relatives do. They smack the screen for good luck and they'll yell at it and I don't want to talk. Bruh. You you don't know slots players well enough then. That's like the tip of the iceberg for what slots. gamble. <laughs> oh, then shoo, I can tell you stories about slots players. Anyways, we're presented by Godzilla Media, uh, sponsored by Mohawk Con. And also don't forget our friends over at Johnstone Supply, 6th Avenue in Troy. Listen, I know we're getting towards the end of summer, but hey, you know, if if you if you don't have air conditioning or your air conditioning unit just busted, they are the peeps to call Fujitsu and Westinghouse units all over. Contractors, if you need if you if you need anything, capacitors, they are the place to go. Whether you need to fix parts or get a brand new unit, Johnstone Supply, Sixth Avenue in Troy. And then while you're at it, make a day out of it. Stop by for a meal next door at the popular barbecue place that's right near them. Uh, well, they're not a sponsor, so I can't say who they are specifically. But if you, you put one on one, 
Well, <laughs> I didn't get in trouble for it, so fuck it. But anyways, uh, yeah. So here's what we're going to do to break it down. Um, oh, and first off, by the way, if you notice a little change of scenery for me, we re my my wife had the idea of uh, redecorating the office room, so now we have a bed actually laid out. So it's we basically converted the office into an unofficial third bedroom, is what happened. So we have a king size bed laid out here, and I they put Katie in a corner. Nobody puts Katie in a corner, um, but the wife did. So oh well. Um, that's up. It's it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. Anyways, um, so here's what we're gonna do today with part one as we are going through this on a Tuesday, August the twenty fourth. Uh, we are just gonna give our reactions to a, an action packed weekend that we had from WWE with SummerSlam this past Saturday, Takeover this past Sunday. Um, and if we have if time allows, we might drop a thought or two about one or two other topics, and then our usual show. Oh. You're frozen. You're frozen. Our usual format show. That's part B coming later in the week. I'm here. How you doing? Uh, so we'll keep going and uh, we'll, we'll rock and roll with that later in the week. But for now, let's focus on what happened this past weekend. Um, JJ, uh, how was your weekend? I know that you were worried about, uh, I know, Hurricane Henri was <laughs> threatening. How to, Turned out to be more of a tropical depression than a hurricane. But any hooser, uh, how did things go for you over the weekend as far as staying safe and everything? It, we got a little bit of wind. Um, we got more rain during the week last week than we did on the weekend. Like, it was nothing. It was nothing. <laughs> so it was literally a, literally a depression and not really a hurricane. Okay, I got yeah. you. <laughs> All right, so let's just pop right into it. Um I gotta. I'm, I'm gonna start by saying this. This is not to. This is not me slamming anything in particular. Um, because what I, what I, th I think it'd be appropriate if we also cover, since we our show went live before this happened, we'll also cover the SmackDown from the night before okay. SummerSlam. Quick, it didn't really set up anything other than what we already knew, yeah. um, but still worth covering anyways, real quick. Um, this is a point of reference about SummerSlam quick before we get into the actual in-ring action. Is it me or... Did 51,000 and change seem like a light number compared to what I thought the stadium was going to give them? Oh, it was, but that's because they didn't have all the sections opened. See, I couldn't tell because... Again, hey, that's probably good TV production by Vince. Because um, everywhere I could see based on the angles that they were given, so did they like close up the entire upper, the, uh, the highest upper bowl is my assumption? What, what they did was they didn't start releasing those seats to the public until like four or five days before the event. And they kept opening up sections each day because gotcha. they were worried about the mask mandates in Vegas and they were worried about a possible shutdown and all that stuff. So they didn't want to overbook and they didn't want to have to do a massive refund thing like they had to do with um, Florida two years ago. So they had the main part and then they kept opening further up. Okay. So basically it was the complete opposite of rampage 
where they kept opening up the sections and people kept buying them versus people trying to get rid of tickets for $2 a piece the day, the day of. Right. Um, we'll, we'll readdress the... Tomorrow. We'll, we'll get more into Rampage later in the week, and then we'll, we're going to readdress the setup for SummerSlam in a second. But first, yeah. just to run through SmackDown quick, uh, open with an Edge promo. Um, it's Edge, so you expect good stuff anyways. Yeah, but we got a fucking bloodbath. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a sec. Um, Jey Uso beat Rick Mysterio on one. Um, which is interesting because the, the cheating that had been going back and forth between the Usos and the Mysterios got caught finally by a referee. Yeah. So yeah. it's good that they finally at least brought, I don't know if you want to call it closure, but they, they, had, they, they did something different with it every single time it seemed like a little yeah. bit. So it was good to see that kind of come full circle with the way they've been booking that over the past month. Um, Corbin, um, Corbin won by DQ over KO because Biggie came out and attacked him, but Corbin kept the briefcase and ran off with it. Um, well, that comes back full circle the next night at SummerSlam. Um, how do you feel about Shotzi and Knox seem to be getting a little light push? Um, Number one, Tegan Knox looks completely out of place out there with Shotzi. Like, she doesn't have the same energy. Shotzi is, like, she's the Janetti of that team. Number two. She's definitely the extrovert. I'll give you that. Yeah. Number two. This is the third time they face Natty and Tamina. Why is it a number one contenders match when they've already beat them twice before? Now you've had them beat them three times. Why do I want to see that title match? Because people don't remember. It was within the last three weeks. Like, it's week after week after week. Like, it's not like this happened two months ago. Well, they didn't beat him in tag action every time, to be fair. The first time they did, and then they beat him in singles. So, like, there's no point. I got nothing. My assumption is they're going to have a blow-off with Tamina and and Natty retaining, and then I'll explain why in the next show. But something happened on Raw this week that I think – we'll see. We'll we'll see how they follow up on something that happened on Raw this week. Um – then you mentioned the bloodbath with Rollins. That was fucking great. I don't know if it tweaked you the same way it tweaked me, but it tweaks me that they had to call it a brood bath because we got to keep it PG. Can't say it's actually well, because blood. it wasn't red. It was black. It's fucking stupid. But hey, they, at least they in story in story wise they covered that. True, I guess. So, I don't know. You got to give it to them on that. True. Um. What are we doing with Otis? Are we trying? Are we trying to push Otis towards the IC title eventually? Is that what we're I doing feel like here? We're turning him into Vader. Well, yeah, because he's doing the the Vader bomb off the top. Well, not top, but the middle rope. Um, I I don't dig it. Like, and they just they find ways to make that man look uglier every week. <laughs> well, I mean, he keeps himself clean shaven. What else do you expect? Like, what else right, is he going to like, do? He cut his hair shorter and shorter. And like, dude, like, there's a reason you had long hair and a beard. It covers up to you are a fugly sum of a bitch. 
Like <laughs> he went from he went from looking like Jake Millman Jr. to looking like Bastion Booger Jr. Damn, that was Tell me I'm wrong. True. Okay. You're <laughs> fine. Um well, we got to see the in-ring SmackDown debut of Rick Boogs. Yeah. Um and him and Nakamura team up to beat Cruz and Commander Aziz. Um Baba Daba Aziz. I'm interested to see what they end up doing with Apollo going forward. Um because I feel like he got his feet underneath him with this this character change. And now the question becomes, do you do you take advantage of that and kind of use it as a way to do a similar kind of booking that they did with AJ and Omos, where you use the opportunity to have I'm not and this is not me calling Apollo the same kind of hand as AJ in the ring. But you allow it to be a chance for Apollo to help build Aziz more and they put them in the tag picture, which is a, doesn't quite fit right now just because the Usos have the belts, but hypothetically, do they eventually find a way to work Cruz and Aziz in the tag picture? Because um, to me, that's the only spot that seems... Because right now, you're not going to put them in the heavyweight title picture because Reigns has the belt. Right. Um... You could hypothetically keep him around Nakamura for the time being, but eventually I, I don't see them dropping the belt back to Cruz. You gotta realize so that basically you, puts, him, puts him in the tag picture with Aziz at some point. you got to realize we've got a draft coming up in a couple weeks. They could very well send him back to Rod send him after fucking... Uh, fucking okay, bro. Wannabe, no, send him after fucking wannabe Razor Ramon. Oh, New Day? No. Want to be Razor Ramon. Who has the U.S. title? Oh, oh. I would have never thought of him as want to be Razor Ramon. But anyways. Um, Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels, Edge thrown into a blender. That's what he is. But his offense doesn't reflect that kind of combination. He does the fucking razor's edge. You want to really get into semantics here? But, but if you look at his overall, uh, you're focusing on one move. You look at his overall style. It's not those three combined. The fact that he's tall and lanky, he's Hispanic. They have him speak Hispanic. They have him either dress like he's a gigolo or dress like he's freaking like, like either freaking early nineties, HBK or late nineties edge. Look at his ring gear every time he comes out. The only original thing he has about him is those stupid chains in his braids. But <laughs> we're, we're going to have to agree to disagree a little bit. Because I just, I don't see his, when I look at the, the whole of his offensive repertoire, it doesn't equal any of those parts. Yes, he has the one move that, re- that reflects Scott Hall. But... I'm looking at. I'm not looking at move set. I'm looking at gimmick. Uh, I'll, I'll give you it. So I'll give you the gimmicks. A weird hybrid of Razor and HBK 
kind of, sort of. Although they never really put girls around HB. It's almost like if you took. It's almost like if you took all the Hispanic out of the Razor Ramon character and put it into Dude Love. <laughs> That's even worse. Well, no, I'm just saying, as far as like. I'm just saying because they never put girls around Sean except for when they did the whole. Pam Jenny McCarthy thing leading up to WrestleMania 11 with him and Nash. <laughs> so, the only character I could think of would be the only characters I could think of that really had girls around them in any capacity in that manner would be Dude Love or Godfather. <laughs> I mean, I think Godfather actually fits better than Dude Love now that I think about it. So, it's essentially, you're taking you're taking Godfather and adding a Hispanic flair. I don't know. I don't fucking Let's know. Let's just leave it alone. We're giving too much yeah. time to fucking Damian Priest. Right. Um, then we saw uh, Bianca work two short singles matches against Zelina and Carmelo, winning both of them, uh-huh. which really didn't mean a fucking thing aside from, oh, she got her revenge for the contract signing. It did in the larger scheme of things. And when we get to SummerSlam, I'll tell you about it. Okay. Um, and then we had Romans, Roma, Roman and Cena. Yeah, Paul Roma showed up. Um, oh God, no! Oh God, Ray, no! Raids and Cena with their face off to end the show. That was whatever. All right, so getting back to SummerSlam, which was the next night. Um, before we get into the show, um, here's I will say this. Here's what I did like. Um. Here's, here's what I did like about the, the SummerSlam setup. And some people are going to think I'm, I'm an idiot for fucking saying this. But to me, doing all the pageantry of the elegant setups and staging, like, it got overblown. And it has been overblown. It's been overblown really since... We'll say the Attitude Era. Yeah. Really ever since... Ever since... Let me put it this way. Ever since they took the in-your-house idea and made them themed monthly shows... And every show had a giant set. Correct. From then on, that's when it became fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if this was just a budget decision or if this was a an aesthetic decision... But personally, I liked the idea of dumbing down the staging and sticking with the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid. So for me, because it kind of, like, obviously it wasn't fully old school because you still had all the fucking, the the special effects to, for the the TV presentation, Mm -hmm. which that's fine. I'm cool with that. To me... That can be their out to dumb down the staging now. Because I personally appreciated the dumbed down staging. And yes, they did a, a special setup for Edge's uh, early part of his entrance. Um, and Pyro's Pyro. Like, I can live with that. But generally speaking, I personally liked the simpler, kind of in a way old schoolish staging that they did. Um, 
I doubt they keep it because Vince is Vince and he probably won't change unless Nick Khan really gets in his ear about really cutting back costs. Um, but all in all, I like the concept of that simpler staging, keep the presentation dumbed down, um, and stick with just pyro and the TV effects like they've been having on like Raw and SmackDown. Did you, did you did you like the staging better that way or oh, absolutely? I think the method that they're going for, especially since they came back to live crowds. Uh, well, not since they came back to live crowds, but since um the new the new setups for Raw and SmackDown since they came back to live crowds because it was like a couple weeks, but it's all the old ones. Is I think the mentality now is to stop doing the stage above everyone um, to give it a more intimate feel. And also because it brings in more people, but it brings in more spots for seats, um, which works. Cause I, I mean that, that wide they could still do that wide stage berth like they do, like you see on SmackDown with the screens behind them, but they're on floor level. And that gives the fans a better, it gives it a more, it gives it a big feel, but it gives it an indie, an indie feel. If you know what I'm saying, because the yeah. fans are right there on eye level. And so it, it works. It gives that it gives that level of intimacy to more fans. It doesn't look like, for lack of a better term, they're putting the superstars on a pedestal, looking right. down upon them. Right. So like basically, basically, this. Yeah. So, so essentially, what they did was they took. For a better phrase, what they've essentially done is they've married together the old late eighties, early nineties. And even into mid '90s, WWF way of entrance stage and merge it with the modern day. In that, you still have empty space going on between the screening and the start of where the crowds are barricaded, but they're taking advantage of that empty spacing by laying out you know, the light flooring and allowing it to be a space where the wrestlers can interact better. Like Edge, he's one of those guys that takes full advantage of that, always has and right. always will. Um, the Mysterios kind of do it with their entrance and so on and so forth. Um, There's I'm, also I'm a reason paying the Mysterios a compliment, but I had to do it. Yeah. There's also a reason for that, and it's something that I've noticed because of um, the last time I was at a takeover was because NXT was already using that set of takeovers. Right. There's an issue that a lot of people, unless you've been at a live TV event that you don't realize, is every time somebody does a run-in on a match, five seconds before that run-in, the house lights come up over the stage. If you're sitting across from that, it ruins everything for you. Like where I was sitting at TakeOver, I was sitting facing the entranceway on the other side of the arena. So every time there was a run-in coming, we fucking knew it. When you lower it, but the thing is, everyone else in the arena who was looking at the ring and just the ring didn't notice that. When you have the giant stage and the house lights come on over the stage, it gets noticed right away, no matter where you are in the arena. But when you have that at that lower level, it's only the people that aren't looking directly at the ring that see it. Aesthetics and magic. That's what it is. Right. Like, um, that, like, like, Small story, when we were, like, at that takeover, like, during the women's title match, Shayna Baszler was champ. 
the second those fucking lights were like, here come fucking Marina Shafir and fucking Jessamine Duke, this match is ruined. And the crowd started going. Okay. Same thing with the, the, that was the three, that was the four-way ladder match with the fucking Street Profits and Oni and Birch and the Forgotten Sons and, uh, uh, the one where the Profits won the titles. Yeah, exactly. The moment the fucking, the moment the fucking Profits start going up and you see those lights on, we're like, here comes fucking, fucking Jack Spiker and everyone starts booing. Like, because we knew it was fucking coming. We weren't booing because it was a heel. We are booing because you just ruined that shit for us. All right, so let's get into the actual card. Um, Biggie beats Corbin, reclaims his briefcase during the pre-show. They needed to do that. Of course. They needed, oh. to, they needed to have the hope for the crowd that he might cash in sometime in the paper. Correct. And it was also a way for them to pay off that stupid TikTok promotion. Um, with the... Oh, there was a TikTok promotion? I just knew about the ring announcer. Oh, no, that's right. Yeah, the ring announcer. That chick was good. She was good. She was good. Um, but they also needed a way to pay off the promotion without it potentially risking quality of the show, so it made sense they did that. Right. Um, and then over the pay-per-view with uh, Orton and Riddle winning the tag title, the Raw tag titles off AJ and Omos. Um, this... I mean, if you didn't see it coming, you haven't been paying attention, basically. Yeah. So that doesn't shock anyone. Um, Omos experiment has run its course. Cool. Omos is not getting any better. I would agree. Um, the the piss break match was next, so it was kind of early if you needed a piss break. Um, I just. <sighs> what was the piss break match again? Can we stop putting Eva Marie in the ring? Oh yeah, I was I was cooking, so yeah, I didn't pay attention. Please, can we stop putting her in the fucking ring? She actually got in the ring. I didn't know. Yeah, she actually wrestled, quote unquote. This fuck. Like I'm one of those few people oh. that remembers when they put her on NXT back before NXT got on TV, and. Dude, she was getting booed out of the building every fucking time she came out there. And yep. rightly so, because she was terrible. But everyone's like, oh, she's been training one-on-one with Brian Kendrick. Like, she ain't fucking learned shit. Right. Um, the, only entertaining, wrestler. the only entertaining part was when Emma Marie snatched the lily off the corner and started smacking her around, smart, smacking the lily around and and then Alexa snapped on her. That was the only entertaining part of the match, honestly. Um, <laughs> just because it involved Lily. Um, then, uh, in a match that came off better, in my opinion, than I thought it would, uh, Damian Priest became the new U.S. champ, and I'd like to thank Sheamus for making that match better than it should have been. Um, yeah. Priest wins the title. Usos retained the tag titles over the Mysterios, which, again, we were wholeheartedly... We we both saw... I want to say we both saw the, the Priest win coming, too, just because... I, we'll, we'll, I was hoping for Miss Interfere. I mean, obviously, that would have been, you know, option B. Um, and we'll dive more into the U.S. title on part B of the show this week, because um, I know that's something you want to discuss. Um, now we get into... Now I get into what I think might be an interesting conversation. So, the match booked and 
being high and being one of the highlighted events of the evening for weeks was Bianca defending the SmackDown Women's title against Sasha Banks. Mm-hmm. Now, a few weeks ago, there had been rumor and conjecture because, if I remember correctly, Bianca and Sasha were not on an episode of Smack, or I don't know if they went on a. No, they missed How a weekend of live week. shows. Yeah, it was right. last week. So I missed a weekend of lot of uh, house shows, mm-hmm. and there was talk of COVID scare, contact tracing, so on and so forth. But obviously that got shot down once we all saw Bianca on SmackDown Friday night. Mm-hmm. However, that did not answer anything regarding Sasha because Sasha was nowhere to be found during that SmackDown the night before WrestleMania in, in Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix. Um, okay. And all you saw was Bianca with Car- involved with Carmella and Zelina. So, day of SummerSlam, no talk. Like, I didn't see anything on Twitter. I didn't see anything on the internet. I'm pretty sure you didn't either because I would have heard something from you if you you did find anything. Yeah. So, Bianca comes out first, which I know tweaks you and tweaks me from time to time with the champion coming out first, but whatever. Bianca came out first. And then Greg Hamilton announces... That Sasha's unable to compete. So let's stop there for a second. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Like, to me, here, here, here's my thing. And this is something I think you stated to me, and I wholeheartedly agree with. If you know ahead of time... Actually, I don't think I discussed with you. I think I discussed with... Um, a Discord chat that I was part of during the show. If you know ahead of time that this match you've been building isn't going to go off, you you still would have had the element of surprise even if you announced Sasha Ketch to up here as a replacement. You still would have the element of surprise that eventually came out. Because if you were if you announced the replacement being Carmella like they eventually did in a second, um, you might catch fire for it online, but you're still gonna accomplish the same thing because you're not giving away what we're eventually gonna go over was the eventual surprise. So either a they knew that this was not gonna work out ahead of time and decided to say fuck it, we'll keep the whole thing under wraps, or b they really didn't know until day of show if she was really still going to be, if Sasha was still going to really be out. And they had to quickly throw together, they had to put plan B into action without saying anything. I, I'm almost positive that it was plan B. I think it, I, I, I'm guessing it was either possible COVID and they were like giving Sasha the rapid test up until the morning of, or she could have tweaked something two weeks ago. And they they were keeping a close eye on her with the medical trainer, and that morning he was just going to be like no go. So that's why they they had the backup on standby. Um, and I think I think your sure. second option is more logical because if it was a COVID thing, then I think they that might have gone. I think they would have gone so far as to scrap the entire match. Honestly, yeah. 
Because I don't think you've if if your issue is potential contact tracing during the weekend before, and you had both pulled from house shows, if it was still a COVID thing come day of show, you pull the entire match. You don't just pull one person from it, right? Um, so I think the the tweak something physically is more logical. They've just been very good in a day and age where it's hard to keep shit quiet. They've been very good at keeping quiet the exact issue. So now we get to we go back to Greg Hamilton. He announces Sasha can't compete and he announces Carmella to come out uh, as the challenger, the new challenger for the title. So Carmella gets in and whatever and for whatever reason you could sense something. I could sense something was up. I don't know if you could. They were really taking their sweet ass fucking time, taking the belt from Bianca, showing the belt, giving it to the timekeeper, and uh, trying to ring the bell. Because eventually, what happens is before the bell can even ring, here comes Becky Lynch. She makes her big return. She comes in uh, after taking her sweet ass time coming down the ring, which is. A theme, by the way, that I'll come back to after we recap this match. She shit-cans Carmella out of the ring, throws her into the stairs, and then Carmella just disappears. And then, essentially, uh, Becky grabs the mic and says, how about you and me right now? Bianca says, yes. And then... We get the bell to ring. The two circle each other for about 10 to 15 seconds. Becky gives a forearm to the face of B. Oh, no. Bianca, excuse me. Becky fakes a handshake into a forearm to the face and then gives her Becky Lynch version of a rock bottom. One, two, three. That's your match. The man handles land. Whatever the fuck you want to call it. It's the rock bottom, essentially. She was using it before she like got pregnant. But. It, I know, but it's the rock bottom. Let's just call it what it is. It's Let's a Nagi. Like it's not like the rock invented it. <laughs> but uh, the bookend, a Uranagi rock bottom. What the fuck you want to call it? It's the same fucking thing. <laughs> Which to me is the is one of the dumbest fucking finishes ever. It's whatever. Any hooser, Becky gets the pin and she's selling to the new SmackDown Women's Champ. And again, they take their sweet-ass time because A, Becky has to get her shine for whatever fucking reason for so long, and B, they're really dragging out Bianca being slow going back to the dressing room just basically saying, all right, okay, all right, okay. Um, A, your thoughts on Becky being back and bringing her back in this fashion. B, Thoughts on the 25-second match and see. We appreciate you listening to this Godzilla Media Podcast, and we want to tell you about our sponsors, Techies Fire and Water Restoration, your best way back to normal this summer. Sponsor of all Godzilla Media Podcast content. And if you've got fire damage, mold damage, water damage in your home, the place to talk to is Tech East Fire and Water Restoration, located on Central Avenue. The boss, Mike Corda, helping the Albany Empire continue to reign supreme here as the best indoor football team in the country. Now he wants to help you get your home back to normal. Stop over to their Facebook page, TE Fire Water, where you can watch 
Levac and Gaz, myself and my co-host Jeff Levac, broadcasting live this Friday, August 27th from 5 to 7. For more information on Techies Fire and Water Restoration, watch the broadcast. We're going to be live at Hooters, helping you win your fantasy football draft, and it's all thanks to Techies Fire and Water Restoration. Follow them on social media, TEEast518 on Twitter and Tech East Fire Restoration on Instagram. Proud sponsors of Godzilla Media Podcast this summer. Also, we want to give love to our friends over Johnstone Supply in Troy. They're represented in this year's Godzilla Media Fantasy Football League. Our guy Tom is going to be the pride of Johnstone Supply. And if you're looking to change your ventilation, your heating, your air conditioning into your home, the place to do that is Johnstone Supply in Troy. When you stop in there, just tell them, hey, I heard about you guys on the podcast. I heard you guys partnered up with Godzilla Media. We love what you're doing. Sometimes it's just easy to find out about the place. Ask questions. My guys Tom and James and Kevin and Rob will help you. They can do the jobs answer for you. Maybe my guy George is in there. Exciting episode on the way next month to talk about George's great background in boxing and more. But we want to get you the Fujitsu ductless splits, energy-saving, ultra-low temperature models. And how about now they're carrying the J-Series VRF systems? Even more efficiency and flexibility for your home. The Westinghouse made by Fujitsu for a more basic, cost-efficient option. Now, maybe you've got to learn about Fujitsu. Maybe you've got to learn about exactly what Johnstone Supply can do. Stop in today on 6th Avenue in Troy or give them a call if you have more questions. 518-272-5922. 518-272-5922. To learn more about Johnstone Supply in Troy, to make sure your home is the best it can be for the end of the summer, heading into the fall, and you're prepared for the winter. Now back to this Godzilla Media Podcast. I had to sit there and explain this to quite a few people like online. Like there was, I, I thought it was brilliant storytelling for several reasons. It's of all those times Vince has, we, Vince has done something and we've gone, dude, what the fuck? This is one of those times where something magic happened. And I'll explain why. So we go into the night before. We have Bianca have two matches back to back. So she comes into SummerSlam having just had two full-length matches the night before. She's not at 100%. They bring out Carmella. We get the crowd to boo. They get, what do you call Because the crowd is ultimately disappointed. What the fuck? We wanted this match with Sasha, and now you're giving her this chick that she's already whooped ass on for the past three weeks. We don't want this. We don't want this. Then the crowd is mad, and they're stewing, and they're stewing, and then, boom, you hit Becky's music. The crowd pops larger, The what do you call it? probably as loud as the Night Edge came back at the Rumble in fucking, 20, in fucking 2020. Here comes Becky. Becky comes. Becky has to do the babyface thing. Shit can't fucking Carmella. She does the whole thing of you and me for a match. The second they ring the bell, everyone's going to think this is going to be a match for the ages. This is going to be a match for the ages. I'm sitting there going... Carmella, I was just like, they need to, I was just like, they're, they painted themselves into a corner now. I was like, because if they have Bianca win, it makes Becky look weak. If they have, what do you call it? If they have, what do you call it? If they have Becky, if they, what do you call it? If they have Becky win after a long drawn out contest, it kind of makes Bianca look weak. I'm like, they're probably going to have Carmella come in and fucking schmazz the whole thing and piss off the crowd. That's where I was thinking. The moment that Becky hit the boom and the boom, I was like, this is what they did. They made it definitive. Because they basically made it that it was Becky saying, fuck you, I don't care how long I've been out, I'm still a fucking man. It went, guess what? Bianca is, number one, still a rookie like Sasha has been saying. Number two is not at 100%. <clears throat> so therefore, there's no shame 
and her to Becky Lynch, who has already proven to be one of the most dominant fucking champions of the modern era. And so then it shows her going back and it shows her sad because there's word, there isn't word, there's word, there isn't word that this is going to be a heel turn for Becky. We're not sure yet. There's early word coming out that it may be, it may not be. I mean, the crowd was popping so huge and they very well could have her come out on SmackDown and just flip the switch. And then it's an even bigger reaction. In the meantime, if you look at the grand scheme of things, they needed to do it because Bianca needs a new set of dance partners. She has worked everyone on the SmackDown roster. She needed someone new to work with. And whether we get this program continuing with Becky or we get Bianca drafted to Raw and then they don't meet until somewhere next year. And then you can look at this as the catalyst and the focal point of everything going forward to build to that match. There's a there's a definite huge amount of layers to this story that a lot of people aren't seeing that are going to pay off in the long run. I don't have an issue with a decision to have Becky on top. The only issue I had to come to terms with was the manner in which they put her back on top. And I understand your logic. I understand what you're saying. I'm just not a hundred percent. I haven't bought in completely yet to everything. Now, granted, my mind might be changed on Friday when we see SmackDown. Um, because I feel I feel like that's what's missing. What's missing is. Well, not even the next chapter. What's missing is the why. Because you got everything else. Like, everything else... Everything else about it makes sense except the why. Like, you understand... the You understand part of... You understand the part of the why as far as why Becky was brought in in that spot. You don't have to give a why necessarily to... Bianca losing the way she did. The question just becomes the the why in that moment, I guess. And that's what I think they they need Becky to fill in the blanks with in some kind of promo Friday. Why she came back on SmackDown instead of Raw? Is that what you're saying? Right. You just you, we we need somebody to fill in the blanks. Um. So obviously, you would assume. And again, we all know what assuming does makes an ass out of you and me. But one would assume they're going to have a segment where Becky shoots her load on the mic. Um, probably Bianca at some point getting involved in the segment. But at least you would think Creative would be smart enough and Vince will be smart enough, and I think he will be, to let Becky speak her piece um, or speak their piece, I should say. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm one of those guys that I'm not completely sold, but I'm also not completely a lot. Um, so I just, I just want to wait and see and cast judgment once I see what happens on SmackDown. I think that was the um, other underlying thing was then we had Matt, Drew and Ginger. There was one more thing. I think I think having her appear for that Go was ahead. the bigger surprise because everyone expected her to show up on Raw or in that women's title situation. So it was just another level of surprise. Right. Factor. Right. Yeah. Um. And by the way. Now that you mentioned that, real quick, um, I'm not. That's the other thing. I'm not 100 sold. This means Bianca goes to Raw. It wouldn't shock me, but I'm not 100 sold on it. Just because, like we mentioned on this show once or twice before, the SmackDown women's roster is so de- not depleted. I mean, it is what it is at this point. But like, it's it's, it's so it's limited compared to what the Raw roster has. Mm-hmm. Just purely from a bo- a number of bodies standpoint, not just a creativity standpoint, just a number of bodies. It's like two to one ratio essentially. Yeah. Like it's all, it's it's essentially a two to one ratio, Raw women to SmackDown women. Plus, you have two of those SmackDown women tied into the women's tag team titles, which even further limits the SmackDown women's roster. Yeah. Um. So, Becky, like from that standpoint, Becky showing up the way she did makes complete sense. In that regard, um, yeah. but again, like I'm not completely sold. This means Bianca automatically goes to Raw. I think they might keep Bianca there at least to bring closure to the Becky side of it sooner rather than later. Um, plus, I'm not completely sold unless they put the profits on Raw too that they would split up. Because I know that's been a thing too, as they've been trying to keep couples together from a travel expenses standpoint. So. I, I don't know. I don't know. Just shooting. Just you throwing shit. Gives a fuck about who's married to who. Just throwing shit out there. Work um, each other expenses, not the company. Fair. All right. Next, um, the second piss break match uh, of the card out of three. Ginger and Drew McIntyre was a piss break match. Don't don't give me that fucking look. They did a decent build around it. It's a it, oh, they people, built around a fucking sword. Good for them, and 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 a toy. But I'm just saying they did a five week build to it. Like it's you need something for Drew to do because he can't vie for the fucking title. You need something for Ginger to do to elevate him. Like people were clamoring for this shit when Drew was champion. They're like, when Drew's champ, they should do Drew versus Ginger. The moment the title's on a ball, everyone's like, this is a dumb match. Like it's the same two people. I don't have a fault with the match. I have a fault with how they set it up. Like you could have maintained the Veer Shanky stuff. And I would have been fine with that. It's the moment they involved a fucking motorcycle and a sword in the whole thing where I'm just like, this is fucking kooky. Like, what are we doing here? Drew is going to stab everybody. That's going to happen. The Drew heel turn is going to come. He's going to stab someone. It's going to be wonderful. <laughs> oh, great. He's going to he's gonna commit second-degree assault. He's going to commit murder. He's going to go through the roof. Jesus. We're going to commit a PG-13 murder with a sword somehow. That isn't really sharp. Um... He's going to come out with Ja Rule one night. We're like, what the fuck's going on? And Ja Rule's going to be like, it's murder. He's going to be, he's going to, he's going to be, 
He's going to be using a dull blade to pull off a, a new Jack half murder. Um, all right. Then we had the triple threat match for the Raw Women's title. Charlotte becomes 12-time champ. Um, Trying off the top of my head. Nikki was involved in the decision, so that basically kills that. So now we get... Well, that or... And here's the other thing I was going to say for part B of this episode later in the week, but hypothetically, if you if they put Paul opposites together to become Raw Tag Team Champions and Orton and Riddle, I could see Rhea and Nikki working out, not that they're going to win the tag titles, but I could see them working out as a hokey, weird combo that you put in the women's tag title picture. Yeah, but I mean, there, we, we've had too many strange bedfellows tag teams, especially in recent memory. Like, that story is so played out right now. They've basically been shitting on Shayna and Nia as being anything, so what else do they have to offer right now? It's time to split uh, those up. They shouldn't have been teaming to begin with. Still get my point. <laughs> like what, what what legitimate allies exist right now in the on the woman's roster aside from Tegan and Knox, Tamina and Natty? Nobody. And that's the fault of the creative team. And that goes back to why I said they should have back right before Mania, they should have fucking relegated the women's tag belts to NXT instead of making NXT women's tag title. Right. Because then they wouldn't be in this situation. But also when you think about it, haven't they kind of been doing the same thing with the men's tag titles from time to time? Like Root and Ziggler weren't a real team until they decided to throw them together and then they then they became tag teams. We already know that. Still, like throwing random people together to make a tag team and then it's somehow working out has has happened countless times More before time on the men's side. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, all right, Edge and Rollins. Edge winning. Um, I was a little surprised Edge got the win. Um, nah, he needed that. I agree that he needed it, but I was just a little. I was a little shocked just because. It almost felt like they were getting into a point where Edge was doing the weird. I don't, I don't know how to explain this, but we talked about before, you know, like how you, you, you do the job on the way out. I'm trying to remember who we talked about that with recently. We discussed that with about somebody recently, but any who's really, it's the, that's the case usually is you do the job on the way right. out. Yeah. So I kind of felt like they were doing that in a legends way. Where they were just having Edge do all these big matches to yeah, help still got make like four matches left for the year. What? But I'm saying, like, that's kind of like that's the pitfall they were putting themselves into. Where it seemed like anytime you put them in a big time match against one of the modern guys, oh well, he's not going to fucking win this. Like you were, you were putting him into that. You, you were cornering him on this essentially. Um, but the plus we get out of it is that. This also means it wasn't just a one-off because you would assume now we're going to stretch this out yeah. towards the rest of the year with, with Seth Rollins. Um, and then the two probably cross paths during the Rumble match. That would be my assumption. 
Because I think I think it will pay off before the Rumble, but then cross paths during the Rumble somehow. I'd say um, it pay off in Survivor Series. Right. So yeah. So you know, by the year's end, yeah, that would make sense. Um. Then we got the third and final piss break match of the night. LSD retaining over Goldberg. That was in, so in which, horrible. Uh, in which uh, the guy who tries to kill themselves the least wins. Um, it was so bad. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Can somebody teach these two men how to properly take a fucking suplex back bump one time, please? Crashly was fucking sandbagging him on every move, and it was visible. Well, not only like I don't. I don't get. I get you don't want to work with a guy. Guess what? You are in fucking. You are in a stadium of fifty thousand fucking people. You do not purposely sandbag a motherfucker like that. But to that token, and I'm not disagreeing. Bill was just no. <laughs> like Bill was off completely. Bill fucking waited thirty seconds to sell the cane shot to the knee from fucking MVP. They had to go like back he, and be like, oh. It was almost like he didn't feel it. And then a second later, was like, oh, he fucking hit me. Ow, ow, ow. Kind of like, uh, um, you're so good. The Jimmy Means and we're fucking school of selling. You ever, no. Motherfucker did that once. I whacked him in the knee. He waited 30 seconds to go, ow, motherfucking stupid. Oh, see, for you and me, that's funny. But I'll break the pop culture reference. You see the movie Caddyshack? Yeah. Okay. Remember Rodney Dangerfield towards the end of the movie? Oh, my yeah. arm. My oh, arm. Oh. oh, my arm. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> oh, God. The B school selling. Anyways, um, now we get to the main event, um, which I think we'll all agree not five star, but still pretty damn good. Um, Roman retains over Cena. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and Roman, beat him, Roman beat him clean. Yeah, I think that, that no Usos story. involvement, no foreign objects, no Heyman involvement. It was literally just Roman and John, and that's the part that I think made the match even better. Right. Um, like the last few Roman title defensive have all involved interference or something. And Roman needed to solidify that spot as a monster. And then, speaking of monsters, <laughs> um, Great Value Goro shows up. Brock Lesnar with facial hair and mini ponytail and toe. And if you don't get the reference, go Google it because I didn't get it either until I Googled it. Um, Mortal Kombat looking motherfucker. So, Brock comes out. Um, nothing physical happens because Roman eventually just gets out of the ring, and then they go off the air with Roman going back up the entranceway and, and Brock beats the fuck out of Cena, which was off air, but, but they yes. showed it during the video package. Right. Um. What the fuck are they doing? Well, Cena's going away. He's done. He did his tour. It's over. He's only going away for three weeks, dude. Well, still, I mean, that's that's what he okay. said the night before during the promo. He said, "I'm going to win the title. I'm going to leave, and then I'm going to come right back." Because he was only he's only leaving for two or three weeks. Then he's back. 
Mm, but, quickly, like, what, he said, what he said was he's going to win the title, take it to Hollywood, and come back for WrestleMania. If I remember correctly, that's what the promo he was. He didn't say for WrestleMania. He said, I'm going to come right back. But just it. Why? If anything, I'll provide this. Not that we need to see this or want to see this again, but you could potentially also be setting up another Brock Cena match that way. I, I'm, I'm just saying. Or they could be setting up Brock Cena Roman for Survivor Series. We won't see Brock Roman at Survivor Series because Survivor Series is always the champion versus champion feuds. I'm, listen. They don't, al- they don't always have to do the same fucking thing every year. I'm just throwing shit out there, okay? I know. I'm not it's saying just, it's going to happen. I'm just throwing out options. Like, nobody wanted Brock versus Roman the first 85 times they did it. Like, and they're... So, what, is Brock a fucking heel? Is Brock a fucking face? You can't sell Brock as a baby face because he's a fucking asshole. Like, here, like, like here. If Go I ahead. see one more Paul Heyman on a fucking poll of memes, I'm going to shut the fuck up. Well, that's where the intrigue comes in. I have no intrigue. You know why? Because in a storyline format, Heyman has always turned on whoever the fuck he is to put the belt on someone else. Always. Rob Van Dam. Fucking, uh, <clears throat> fucking, who do you fucking turn up? Brock with Big Show. Fucking, like. If Paul is managing the guy who's the champion and another guy comes in and Paul's involved, Paul fucks the champion over to go with the other guy. We've seen it done. There is nothing new here. Go ahead. Can I provide a twist for you? Go ahead. Now, again, I think only us would put one and one together. I'm going to throw this out there. What if they're setting all that up for Big E to cash in against Brock? Because eh. think about this. Hang on. Think about this. What happened on the debut of SmackDown on Fox? Kofi got fucking wrecked by Brock. Yeah. Okay. So you bring Brock back. You have whatever, whether it involves a Heyman fuck over or not. Brock takes the belt from Roman. But it you have it be one of those, like, not on the level of Walter and Dragunov, which we'll get to in a second, but like one of those just fucking mean and nasty knockdown dragout matches where Brock barely goes over. Big E comes down, cashes in. And then you can either A, move forward with Brock using the Kofi New Day angle, or B, now you have somebody new for Roman to try and chase with. Three issues with that. Three issues. Okay. My fancy booking sucks dick today. One. The crowd won't believe it. The crowd won't believe that a big E cashing on on Brock is possible. No matter how much we want it, the crowd won't believe it. Two, okay. Brock is a cunt and won't go for it. Brock has creative control over his contract. This is the problem with every time they fucking bring him back. 
Brock has a modicum of creative control over his contract and always fucks over whoever he wants. Didn't we have the same scenario six and a half years ago with Seth? Who did Seth pin? Okay, then Roman retains. Then Roman retains and Big E cashes in, and I don't, I don't. You get my point. Whatever. Number three. Number three. Beast in the East. When the fuck are they going to Japan? The last time they were the Beast in the East pay per view, Brock beat the fuck out of all three members of the New Day single handedly. Goes that's a subsection of part one. Crowd won't believe it. Brock had a three on one handicap match with the New Day and beat them all flat, which is why the moment back when they announced SmackDown and they announced Brock versus Kofi, I said Kofi's going to do the job in ten seconds. And what happened? Brock will, and I guarantee Brock will use that in being a cunt going, I beat all three of these guys flat. Why the fuck is this guy going to beat me? Because Brock is a cunt. Well, we shall see. We shall see how this all works out. There's no ways of winning. Brock Lesnar has admitted he's there for the money and he hates the fucking business. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, Then we move to TakeOver the next night. Um, I feel like there, and you're going to agree with me. There was a, there was a certain peak to this night and then a drastic downfall. It was a pretty Um, somber takeover. So we start with pre-show Ridge Holland beating the shit out of Trey Baxter. Everybody knew that was going to happen. Whatever. Um, and then Holland calling out Timothy Thatcher again. Actual show starts, and we get Grimes defeating L.A. Knight for the million-dollar title, which, again, I, you and I were... Predicted. You know, we, we both saw that coming. Um, whether or not he turns over the title to DiBiase, we'll see, because they're supposed to do something on NXT. Yeah, million-dollar Yep, so we'll see what happens there. Um, Raquel and Dakota... Um, I'd say a slightly better match than I anticipated. Nah. Not the greatest, but better than I anticipated. Um, Raquel retains, and then Kaylee Ray comes out. Uh, like, this after is the match. business model. Like, we're just gonna keep dragging over bitches from the UK. But we're still cutting people time after time. Yeah, but it's like, well, because it feels like they're still drawing people over from the UK because, like, I feel like Nick Khan's going to want to try to fucking shut down that division, which ain't going to happen, but I feel like Nick Khan is trying to aim for that. Doesn't make any sense. Oh, it doesn't, but Nick Khan's a cunt, so. We'll cover that in part two of our episode this week. Yeah. Um, Then we get to what was the clear peak of the show. Uh, Dragon off ending the 850-day reign, I believe they said, of yeah. Walter as the NXT UK champion. Yeah. Um, now, this is from somebody who has only seen select shows of NXT UK. Yeah. 
That match made me cringe once or twice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, especially it, when there was... I can't remember when, when during the match it was. There was one suplex, though, where I thought, yeah. Jesus Christ, he broke his goddamn neck. Uh-huh. Um, yep. And then there was a superplex where Walt he essentially came down feet first. And I was like, oh, my fucking yeah. God. Yeah. Um, but Jesus, what a match. That was. Yeah. It's, like, it's like I said, they needed a crowd. That was the only way that match was going to top the first one that everyone loved so much that I couldn't see the fanfare behind because they needed a crowd. And was it just me or was it very much like maybe I was just here. It seemed like a very pro Walter crowd and then Ilya turned them during the match. It was. And that's I could be wrong. There's a problem. But it seemed like very pro Walter. No, there it was. There's a problem with the CWC. The CWC is mo what do you call it? Most of the tickets that are issued out. Are, and I've said I'm pro- I'm sure I've said this before in here. It's mostly friends and family of the workers. There are very few independently sold tickets for the CWC, and so Correct. what happens is it's the problem you get at every fucking local indie show. You get someone who comes out who's supposed to be a heel, and everyone goes, "That's my friend. I'm going to cheer for them." And the only thing that these people, because these people don't watch wrestling outside of when they get to go to these fucking shows. The only time they've seen Walter is against Tommaso and they go, wow, he whooped Tommaso's ass. We're going to cheer for him, which is why when Dragunov came out two weeks ago, these people were like, no reaction because they're like, who the fuck is this guy? Because they don't watch the other product. And that was the problem. If Ilya Dragunov had taken place inside of a fucking arena in Vegas, completely different crowd reaction. Although I think that might have been partially why they had Dragunov booked on NXT TV the, la- the last few weeks leading up to TakeOver. Because they had to familiarize the people with him. Yeah. Correct. So they did a very good job in that regard. Um, now comes the start of the downfall. And not because I didn't like the match. It was more because the ending was just fucking weird. Because Adam Cole is a cunt. So, O'Reilly wins two falls to one in the two out of three falls match. O'Reilly wins with a sudden roll-up out of a failed Panama Sunrise uh-huh. in the first fall. Uh-huh. Then Cole wins the second fall, uh-huh. which... Uh, was it with the last shot knee to the back of the head? I can't remember. Yeah. But anyways, he wins the second fall. Then uh-huh. beats the shit out of O'Reilly while the cage is attempted to be set up for the third and final fall. Uh-huh. He eventually handcuffs Kyle O'Reilly to one of the ropes. Um, and then O'Reilly catches uh, an attempted super kick from Cole, puts yeah, Cole in a heel over. hook, uh, with one arm puts him into a heel hook, and Cole taps out to the heel hook. Because Adam Cole is a cunt. So I'm not the only one who thought that finish was a little flat. No, I knew it was coming. 
I knew that Adam Cole was going to try to find a way to make Kyle O'Reilly look like shit on his way out because Cole is either Cole's NXT contract is done. That we know. Whether he re-signed for main roster or not, we will not know for the next few days because obviously we know that he had negotiation with Vince and we know that the fucking Kookamonga kids put up stupid ass Twitter videos acting like they're fucking bringing him in. And apparently Britt Baker wrote AC on CM Punk's shoes for Rampage. Right, exactly. So, anyways, so Adam Cole is a cunt, like I've been saying. So he purposely was just like, well, I'm fucking out of here. Oh, I've got oh, I've got to do the job. Well, fuck this. I'm going to tap out in three seconds and make the crowd boo because Adam Cole has to be the center of everyone's fucking world, like I've been saying. Considering he's done so much work with Kyle, I just it disappoints Kyle me. Kyle and he's not because Cole, for whatever reason, like I said, whether he whether he goes to main roster or to the fucking to, to the fucking sandbox, Cole was the big fish in the small pond in NXT, and he doesn't get to be that anymore. Can so I he's throw... literally taking he's taking his toys and go and and going away in a huff. Can I throw out something else too? Sure. I mean, now that you can stop me, I'm one of the hosts of the fucking show. Of course I can throw something out there. <laughs> and I'm the one controlling the software for this fucking show, bitch. <laughs> um Hypothetically, he doesn't sign back with any other WWE brands. Okay. This might sound really fucking stupid, but in my head, it kind of makes sense. Who's to say he automatically goes to AEW? Um, I don't see him going to Japan with the COVID issues. Not I don't see Japan. I don't see MLW giving him the amount of money he wants. I don't see ROH giving him the amount of money that he wants. Again, this might sound stupid. What if it's not about money at this point? Oh, it's about money. It's about money. Believe you me, it's about money. Adam Cole is going to sit there and go, I just spent six years on this TV brand that has done pay-per-views and has done national TV, I want a paycheck. We'll get some more of that on the next one. I told you, did I not tell you Adam Cole was a cunt? Wow. Adam Cole proved me right on Sunday night. This isn't this isn't the first time you've you've said that, so it's exactly established. It's established it's an established, established marketing tool for you at this point for, with this show. Um, then we get to the end of the show. Um, Fuck this game. <laughs> Fuck this game. I'm sitting on Baltic with crap. So Samoa Joe is the first ever three-time NXT champion. Ugh. Beats Cross. Beats him flat. 
just say I, I no Scarlet. I think you and I can both agree we would have done the finish different. Definitely. Um, because the ending was Muscle Buster one two three, which uh -huh. a isn't really the Muscle Buster anymore because he can't drop them on their head. They have to he has to land them flat back because WWE is scared about the fucking Muscle because Buster. Because he broke PJ Wilson's fucking neck doing it. I felt like there should be more brutality behind that match. I know you're coming right off of Cole O'Reilly and everything they did, but there should have been more physical brutality in because that's all it was based off of. The whole fucking concept of Joe Cross was how physically brutal they are to each other. You just had them breaking down barricades at the end of NXT TV the past week, uh, the week before, and then you have them do their match, and there's nothing, no crash barricades, no chairs, no kendo sticks, no going through tables. Not that I need this to be a hot shot kind of match, but still, like, it was nothing. It was nothing. You know why? Because that would have involved fat-ass yoga under the goddamn gym. That motherfucker was blown up 10 seconds into the fucking match and went through the goddamn motions the whole time. The other side of it, because we mentioned the finish, if that's the route they're going to go with the finish, you would have been better off Joe having Cross in the Coquina Clutch and having Cross pass out. Yeah, because Cross I, I never like that either. But eh. but Cross being Cross refusing to tap right makes yeah. more sense than Cross just taking the three. Right. I would go so far as to leading into that with like Cross like hitting his head on the ring post, fucking even busted open a little bit, and already being disoriented and then passing out. Right. You know, go full Austin on it. Right. But yeah, no, it was better than that. Because like, where the fuck do they go now? What are they, are they going to be that stupid? I'm like, I God, I swear, I oh God, I am so scared because of all this stupid Nick Khan talking about how they're going to rebrand NXT and all this shit. How stupid would it be if they have Odyssey Jones wins the fucking tournament and then beat Joe Flat in two weeks? How awful would that be? That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And that's why Nick Khan would probably do it. And that's something we'll obviously talk more about in the second half of our episode later in the week. But yeah, because that's definitely a topic we didn't discuss. Not necessarily the Odyssey Jones end of it, but just generally what Nick Khan was saying over the weekend that yeah. boiled the blood in us, to uh -huh. say the least. Um. So yeah, that was your weekend. Um, <laughs> if you expect us to come on and talk about what happened Friday night on TV, fuck off. That's what part two of this episode is going to be for. Oh, because I got a lot of venom on that shit. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Um, anything else from SummerSlam or TakeOver we didn't touch on that you wanted to Not really. comment on? Not really. It's just like, I don't know. Like I was, I was extremely happy with SummerSlam except for a few key moments. It brought it from an A show down to like a C minus. Agreed. And takeover was just, it seemed like it, it didn't feel like a takeover. It felt like one of the, it felt like a, 
Like the Wednesday specials have felt more like takeovers lately than the actual takeovers. I'm not sure if it's because they're still in the same arena or that they're just kind of like it. It just like like a lot of things were just going through the motions. And no, I, I can I can, I can tell you why. I can tell you why. I can tell you exactly why. When you look at takeovers, mm-hmm. and this might sound weird, but it just is what it is. There is the same level, high level of energy and entertainment value across the board with the matches. Mm-hmm. Even if a match is booked that you're like kind of ant about, somehow they manage to pull it off in the same vein as all the other matches in that on that night, typically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one, for whatever reason, it just after dragging off Walter, I don't know. And it wasn't even a crowd thing necessarily. It was just the decisions made creatively with Cole O'Reilly and Cross and Joe. Those last two matches took the energy down. Plus, which is sad. Which is sad because I thought O'Reilly Cole, first off, was going to be the main event. Second of all, um, The manner in which that O'Reilly Cole match carried out, I think, really sucked the shit out of that arena. It did. It did. Um, and might have partially led to why Cross Joe felt flat as well. Uh huh. Um, Plus, just as a takeover in general, you're talking. We had a takeover with no cruiserweight title match, no North American title match, no tag title match, no women's tag title match. Yeah, that's because two of those four titles. Actually, wait, hold on. One, the tag titles two. and just the tag titles were defended the, the show before. But, but she is hurt. They're doing a six man with fucking Legato and Hit Row. Right, the cruiserweight was two weeks. Vignettes yeah. with Zoe and fucking uh, uh, Io. Right. So there's no programs there. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh... Fucking weird. It's really, really weird. Yep. Yeah, Zoe and EO have nothing right now. Yeah. They're just fucking around with each other and just kind of uh-huh. waiting to see what happens at this point. Because they're trying to bring personality out of Zoe and it's not going to happen. At the same time, you can at least get them in the fucking ring. They got no one to put them against. Candace is pregnant now. The only fucking rivals they have are Candace and Indy. You can't put him against fucking uh, fucking uh, fucking Kamehameha and that uh, and, and and the other bitch. Kamehameha. Yeah. Kamehameha. You can't put against put him against fucking um, uh, Priscilla Trashbag and her chick because they're fucking awful. Like <laughs> all the women they have in it, tag teams are terrible. And they split up to Coda and Raquel. Right. Oh boy. And then the North American title is currently within a stable rivalry. Yep. Oh, what a fucking mess. Where they could have very well had a North American title match on the fucking uh, on the show and didn't. Instead, they're going the six-way route on, on Wednesday. <sighs> Even though the match everybody wants to see is fucking Santos and Swerve. Right. <sighs> Why did I allow myself to get my brain hurt? What? 
this is the part. This is out of the two parts of this episode of this week that I thought was going to make my brain hurt. I thought today was going to be that, but no. Instead, I I let my brain get hurt the last ten minutes of this episode. Dude, uh, just imagine if you will. Imagine, imagine if in between Cole O'Reilly and fucking Crossjo, they had put a fucking swerve. Fucking, uh, they had put a fucking. Uh, a oh, it changes the, the complexion of the night completely. Exactly. It would have brought everyone back up. And then maybe Cross and Joe wouldn't have just gone through the motions. Right. Maybe. Or if they had done Cross and Joe first, then the North American, then the two out of three. Right. Because I guarantee that's the other reason Cole was a cunt at the end of that was because their match wasn't the main event. And it was the main event the last last few times they, they fucking worked with each other. And honestly, it should have been the main event. Eh. I mean, I get Cross and Joe was the... I don't know. Title I get there. The title match should be the main event of any takeover. Creative wise, though, Cole and O'Reilly was a real main event. Eh. Every one of their matches bored me, so. <laughs> Naturally. Any loser, anything else you'd like to pop off with before we wrap this part up? I'll save the rest for the next episode. Oh, boy. I sense there's a lot of. Uh, a lot of venom and anger that's going to be coming out in a couple of days, so uh-huh. I'm going to prep myself mentally for that. And in the meantime, just say uh, you've been watching part one of two for episode 15 of White Heat presented by Godzilla Media and sponsored by our friends at Mohawk Honda, Freeman's Bridge Road in Scotia. Our friends at Johnstone Supply, 6th Avenue in Troy, and don't forget our friend Gaz, host, uh, co-host of several platforms, mm-hmm. uh, several podcasts across the Godzilla Media platform and owner of Godzilla Media, by the way. Friend of the show, who loves our show, by the way, just to break down the wall here a little bit. <laughs> he's 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 a big-time wrestling fan like us and loves listening to our show. Um, make sure you check him out every Monday during football season. He'll be hosting trivia during Monday Night Football at Smoky Bones, Central Avenue in Albany. I can't uh, so name the place. I think JJ is clearly overtired. We need to wrap this up. So, uh, for JJ Alexander, hit like uh, and subscribe. Yeah, hit like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're listening on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, make sure you rate the show and subscribe to notifications and yes, all the button. all tweets about the ridiculousness of JJ Alexander can go to at JJ underscore Alexander. Um, <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter at Brian Katie, always one word, B R I A N C A D Y. And emails, I guess I'll take emails about JJ as well. Uh, Brian.Katie <laughs> at GazillaMedia.com. For JJ, I'm Brian. We'll catch you with part two later on. Deuces. Later.